Good evening. Important that you follow along in your Bible, um, Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. I encourage you to make sure you follow along. This is Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, starting at verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Lord, we need you to open up our spiritual eyes, help us to benefit from this passage, and help us to see what you're saying through this. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, when you look at a passage, generally you look for what's the main point. And this right here, it's very easy. Look at the first verse and it says, um, give a parable to someone who trusts themselves that they were righteous, treated others with, with contempt. Obviously, that's the main point you have in this, in this um, um, parable. There are two characters here, and my guess would be this is a very common scene. We'll be having Pharisees up front showing off. I mean, that's my guess. And for the first one you have is the Pharisee. Um, people all view them as righteous. Now, today we think of people being Pharisaical, and we that's a negative term. But that time, that was very much respected. So if you have a mother and a little boy, and they're walking down the street, um, Jesus' time, and the little boy says, who's that man? And the mother say, oh, that's a Pharisee. He's holy. We hope someday you grow up and be like him. That was sort of the, the mentality they had. And um, they tried to obey all the Old Testament laws. Um, they added traditions to it and tried to be very strong spiritually were. Verse 12 talks about fasting. Um, other places they talk about how they would make their face look real drab and try to show that they were really suffering for, for God. And um, actually, one time a year, they required to fast, but they had other times they were optional. But he, he fasted more, much more than he needed to. It also mentions tithing. And... Um, you know, I think of a person that goes out right now, takes up the hike and sees some raspberries. He starts taking raspberries, and pretty soon he's got 10, 11, 12, and he thinks, oh, no, I need to tie this. So he's thinking, okay, how do I tie this, okay? If I get 15, I need to give a one-and-a-half tithe, but there's two tithes also. So maybe if I, if, I, if I eat 12 of them and I have three that I sell for my tithe, but then every third year you, you tithe also. So it's like, you know, you wonder, like, guys, just thinking through how to work it, but they were very faithful, trying to work through exactly how to make this tithe in a, in a very proper way. Uh, then you have the tax collector, um, the Jews, um, who, these are Jews who worked for Rome, and they collected taxes from the Jews to give to Rome, and normally they collected more than required, so they were well off. They were despised, they were hated by the Jews. Um, the Jews, um, we heard last week, um, we're told they did not have to keep promises to murder, thieves, and tax collectors. Quite a, quite a group of people there, okay? And um, 
also the, the synagogues would not accept alms from, from a tax collector. So we'll say that you came into the church tonight and there's a guy out there with an iPad and he's looking at iPads, okay, um, $75. Well, you know, all the authorities roam behind this guy. You can't, you can't escape it. And so you pay your 75 bucks, and then you're leaving. He says, okay, um, let me see your name. Oh, $100. I just gave, well, it didn't show up. Sorry, $100. You're required. And basically, you can see why people despise these, these Jews, because they were taking money. They were sent to Rome, and Rome was their enemy. And um, so these, these were considered traitors, actually. And so you have two contrasting characters here. You have the Pharisee, the most respected, Within the culture, you're the tax collector, the most despised. And if you were on the street in Jesus' time and you would meet somebody and you would say, um, let me ask you a question. When Pharisees die, do they go to heaven? And they would say, man, 99.99999% sure they will get to heaven. You talk to somebody else and you say, what about tax collectors? Will they get to heaven when they die? And they would say, I'm sure 99.9999% they will not go to heaven. I mean, that was the whole mentality there. So now you look at verse 14. It says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. That, that's shocking. Um, I mean, that's, that's a scandal. That, that's heresy. How can you ever say that? And so you look at verse 10. It says, the two men went up in the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes at all I get. So he's up close to the temple. And um, if you remember back in, in Luke 1, where you have Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, okay, he was selected to, to do the temple work and all the people outside praying. This is a very holy, sacred time. And um, so you have here... Um, these people coming to pray, and in verse 13 infers that this tax collector being in the back, that meant that the Pharisee was up there in the front, probably as close to the temple as he possibly could get. And that idea he wouldn't be close to God, and also to probably show off. Um, they had prayer um, 9 a.m., 3 p.m., and then on Monday and Thursday you had the the market days, there are probably more people there. It's a more chance that people would try to be up front and show off during those days. And so they would have a sacrifice offered. And um, these people, when that applied to them, they also had incense and they symbolized prayer. And they sort of wanted somehow that rub off on them. So in verse 11, it says, standing by himself. Now, the Mishnah said that um, they could look for unclean people praying and basically boot them out. And they want anybody close to them. The Pharisees had authority to push all the unwanted people out of the prayer area. And also, if they even brushed up against a, a common person, they felt they were, they were polluted. And so the mindset would be, obviously, this Pharisee wanted to be up by himself, protect from all this poi polloi, contaminated people, regular people. And then verse 11 says, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So he compared himself with others. My guess is all three of these are ways he compared himself with, with um, the tax collector. Um, extortioner, a robber, unjust, cheater, adulterer. 
And um, then verse 13, he has the word but, a transition there, a contrast. Okay, he says, I'm unworthy. He couldn't even stand near, near the temple. So verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So he didn't rationalize. He didn't say, well, I'm not as bad as other tax collectors. He says, I'm, I'm a sinner. And it says that he beat his breast. And Edersheim says that Jews only prayed with their hands over their heart. You don't really see beating the breast in the Bible. But one time you do see it. When do you, when do you see beating the breast in the Bible? When, okay? When? when, when one time it mentions that. No. Okay, when after the crucifixion, they left the crucifixion site beating their breasts. Okay. And, you know, I think, I think in my mind, I'm thinking, what is it that would cause people to act this way? And, you know, I think of um, just the sin of the world being put upon the sinless Son of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that Jesus became sin for us, the Father made Christ to be sin. Um, really, that's the most dramatic event in history. I mean, sure, you have Christmas, God became man. Then you have the God-man went the cross, the die on the cross, the purchased place for us in heaven. And during that time then, all the punishment was put upon him. I think if, if we had spiritual eyes, this is all just my own imagination, but... You know, if you had spiritual eyes to figure out what was happening in the spiritual realm when Christ on the cross, it wouldn't be like some kind of little zap saying, okay, all the, all the wrath of the Father, all the wrath of our sin was put upon the Messiah on the cross. My guess, if you had spiritual eyes, you would see billions of basically lightning bolts coming down upon Jesus Christ because he was taken upon himself all the, the, the wrath of the Father, all the wrath for our sin. And so I'm thinking, when they, when they experienced all that, you know, there must have been some, I mean, they didn't see that happening, but they obviously, they were up close to the most amazing dynamic in all of history, of the wrath of the Father input upon the sinless Son of God. And when they saw that, you think, when they saw it happening, they didn't see the spiritual realm, but I'm sure something was happening spiritually that they just were totally undone. He's one away, beating their breasts, which is not common for them. Obviously, it showed um, great, great um, agony because of what they saw. So when the tax collector, in a similar type of way, shows that kind of contrition for his sin, you, he saw his, his true unworthiness. The tax collector saw his own condition of being a sinner. He saw, saw himself correctly. He saw God correctly. He was totally undone before God. He beat his breast. He saw his own sinfulness. And verse 13 says, But the tax collector standing far off will not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Really, that's the only correct response any human can have. That's the only correct response we can have, is that kind of mentality of, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then what's amazing in, in 14 it says, this man went down to his house justified. I mean, amazing. Here's, here's this guy that's a, such a sinner. He has this great contrition before God. And now it says, he comes, he's reconciled. 
before God. God imparts his righteousness to him. God forgave his sin, declared him um, not guilty. So God took a contrite sinner. He made him alive, forgave his sin. He injected his righteousness into him. And the only way to get to God is really what you see in verse 13 there. Man's way is self-righteousness, like the Pharisee. God's way is contrition, repentance, that complete trust in Jesus Christ. So in 14 it says, I tell you, this man went to his house, down to his house justified rather than the other. So the Pharisee didn't. You know, when they left the prayer time, how did each one feel? The Pharisee, I'm sure, felt good. He felt pious. His ego was stroked. He thought, this is great. I'm just looking at all the people that saw me up there. The tax collector, he went away repentant, humbled. The real result was the Pharisee was actually farther from God, dug a deeper hole, added to his depravity. He's a bigger hypocrite, more deceived. The real result for the tax collector, amazing. He's justified. He's righteous before God. He's a brand new person. The tax collector arrived near the temple to pray. He arrived spiritually dead. He left spiritually alive. The Pharisee arrived at the temple to pray. He arrived spiritually dead. He left spiritually dead. What you see there is that even though you see in like verse 12 the things that the Pharisee did, none of that stuff changes on the inside. What needs to be what happen is transform the transformation on the inside. And that only happens with the with contrite heart you see in verse 13 with the, the tax collector. Another interesting thing is that in verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, okay, Jesus spoke with authority. Only Jesus could, could determine that the tax collector was now justified. Only Jesus could, could determine that that Pharisee was not justified. And the crowd around the people praying, they did not know this. Only God has authority to determine who is righteous and who is unrighteous. You know, in the Gospels, we see over and over it says that Jesus spoke with authority because he's God. He's the only one that can say, like in verse 14, I tell you. He's the only one who can speak with authority what's happening in the spiritual realm. Um, then in 14 it says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So the one who humbles himself as sinful, what's the result? He then is justified. The one who basically is proud, what happens to him? He remains in his, his condemnation. You know, the, the context for this passage would be um, just parables of Jesus about the, the kingdom, speaking, Jesus Christ speaking about the, the kingdom of God. And you have a whole series of these statements about the kingdom. And what's interesting is right after this passage, you see where it talks about um, children. And it says in chapter 18, like in 16 and 17, it says that we must receive the kingdom of God like a child. And um, so what you, what you have here is God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Christ reigns and rules in the hearts of his believers. Um, so how do we get into his kingdom? Probably the whole parable here of, of this um, text collector is what he's saying how to get into the kingdom. In the next chapter, you have another tax collector, Zacchaeus. What happens to him? In verse 9, it says that, that um, 
this, today salvation has come to this house. So the kingdom of God is being built through those who are knowingly unworthy. So that goes against human nature. Jesus, um, the Jews were totally offended by what Jesus said. To them, it was outrageous, it was blasphemous, but that's God's way. God's way is not self-righteousness. It's coming to him in contrition and humility. So if you are trusting 1% in your righteousness to get you to heaven, you're the same as a Pharisee. Anytime we're trusting anything within, within ourselves, then we're just like a Pharisee. It's only as we trust 100% in Jesus Christ and nothing in ourselves will we actually have the entering the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, you were not good enough, wise enough, smart enough to choose Jesus Christ and believe. All men are dead apart from Jesus Christ, but God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to, to be his. And actually, all we've done is accept it's not our part, it's only his mercy upon us and his grace upon us. You know, I think um, we'll say that you go to um, UVA campus and you see two guys walking around. They look clean cut and nice guys, respectable and courteous. You think, I should witness those guys. They might be interested in being a Christian. Or they might like, I should invite them to church. They look really nice. And that's, I think a lot of those guys, they think, I think they're great. Then you see two women and they're tattooed, they're pierced, and they're dressed very appropriately. They're sort of touching each other in a bad way and they're kissing each other. You think, ah. But you know what? Before God, it takes just as much of a miracle to change those two guys as it changes two women. In fact, in God's economy, the way you look at the way Jesus Christ was on earth, and over and over, he had compassion for the prostitutes, for the tax collectors, for those bad people, because they were toward the place of saying, I realize my condition, I realize my depravity. You know, for most of us, we've got a problem that way, because we think, oh, we're pretty good. You know, we've not really done what other people have done. And, um, but that's what God specializes in. His specialty is taking people who are hopeless and totally change their lives. So it says here in, um, in 18, um, verse 13, says, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that you are holy. You are God. You are totally pure in every way. We acknowledge that our hearts are deceitful, and we lie to ourselves all the time. We acknowledge that we can't comprehend ourselves, our sinfulness. The only way we can ever understand our sinfulness is by looking at your word, because only you understand our depravity. We acknowledge that there's no way that we are not sinful people, we can only lay ourselves before you and to call it to you and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Thank you very much that when we call it to you that way, you give your life to us. In praying Christ's name, amen.